0: Good day, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Q1 2021 CyberArk Software Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to turn the call over to your speaker today, Erica Smith, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Amy,
1: good morning. Thank you for joining us today to review CyberArk's first quarter 2021 financial results. With me on the call today are Udi Mokadi, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer, and Josh Siegel, Chief Financial Officer. After prepared remarks, we will open up the call to a question and answer session. Before we begin, let me remind you that certain statements made on the call today may be considered forward-looking statements, which reflect management's best judgment based on currently available information. I refer specifically to the discussion of our expectations and beliefs regarding our projected results of operations for the second quarter in the full year 2021. Our actual results might differ materially from those projected in these forward-looking statements. I direct your attention to the risk factors contained in the company's annual report on Form 20F filed with the SEC and those referenced in today's press release that are posted to CyberArk's website, as well as risks regarding our ability to actively transition the business to a subscription model, the duration and scope of the COVID-19 pandemic, its related impact on global economies, and our ability to adjust in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. CyberArk expressly disclaims any application or undertaking to release publicly any updates or revisions to any forward-looking statements. Additionally, non-GAAP financial measures will be discussed on this conference call. Reconciliations to the most directly comparable GAAP financial measures are also available in today's press release as well as in an updated investor presentation that outlines the financial discussion of today's call. As we outlined at our investor day that we held in March, beginning in the first quarter, we changed the revenue and cost of revenue presentation of our P&L to increase visibility into our subscription transition and the long-term focus of our business. The historic breakdown of this new P&L presentation can be found in an appendix of the Q2 update deck, which can also be found in the quarterly results section of our investor relations website. A webcast of today's call is also available on our website. With that, I'd like to turn the call over to our Chairman and Chief Executive Officer, Udi Mokati
2: Udi?
3: Thanks, Erica, and thanks everyone for joining the call. We hope you and your families are safe and healthy. 2021 is off to a great start. We successfully completed the first quarter of our active transition to subscription. We are thrilled with our execution and are well on our way towards transforming Cyborg into a fast-growing, recurring revenue company with a comprehensive SaaS portfolio of solutions. A few financial highlights. Total revenue was $113 million in the first quarter, ahead of our guidance with our new subscription revenue line growing 180% over last year. In addition, it was great to see our recurring revenue reach $76 million, or 68% of total revenue. We also generated more than $5 million of non-GAAP operating income and $31 million in free cash flow, both ahead of our expectations. Our revenue outperformance was particularly rewarding, given that our subscription booking mix exceeded expectations at 51%. Much of our success this quarter was, again, from the strength of our SaaS solutions. Given the increase in ratable revenue from subscription, we believe that annual recurring revenue, or ARR, can be used to evaluate the strength of the underlying business. Our ARR reached $288 million, up 41% year-over-year, year, and even more impressive, is that our ARR from SaaS and subscription together grew faster than 250%. ARR, subscription mix, and recurring revenue demonstrate the momentum in the business and the incredible demand for our identity security platform, which is centered on PAM. At our investor day in March, we outlined four pillars that will create long-term value for Cybark, our customers, partners, and shareholders. I will use the same framework of growth, subscription transition, innovation, and profitability to walk through our Q1 results. Let's start with growth. Positive secular tailwinds and excellence in execution are driving our strong growth trajectory. Identity security is at the center of every major industry tailwind, including digital transformation, zero trust, hacker innovation, and compliance. Digital transformation and the explosion of technologies, applications, and automation tools are not only blurring the line between a privileged user and a workforce user, but also between human users, applications, and bots. For customers, this is creating a sense of urgency for cybersecurity. Enterprises have moved beyond the emergency initiatives and build-out of 2020 and into strategic execution of comprehensive security programs. And as a result, the flight to trust we saw in the fourth quarter continued in Q1. In the wake of SolarWinds and the Microsoft breaches, enterprises are embracing zero trust and an assumed breach mindset. They are looking to security partners who have comprehensive, measurable security solutions and deep domain experience. As we look at our business, these industry dynamics are making identity security more relevant than ever before. To drive our growth, we are executing well against this opportunity with our land and expand strategy. Early this year, we aligned our business across Privilege Access Management and our two speedboats, DevSecOps and Access. This strategic move has further accelerated our momentum with an immediate impact as seen in our Q1 performance. The increased focus also contributed to another record quarter for pipeline generation across the portfolio, which will fuel our growth throughout the year. We continue to see customers embrace our SaaS solutions with Privilege Cloud and Endpoint Privilege Manager among the fastest growing offerings in our portfolio. Enterprises continue to run in a hybrid world resulting in strong demand for our on-prem PAM offering, but more often than not in a subscription package versus the perpetual purchase of the past. I'm hearing from customers that one of the ripple effects from SolarWinds is that Chief Information Security Officers increasingly recognize the criticality of access, DevOps, and cloud entitlements as key risk points that need to be secured, which is contributing to our record pipeline growth in these areas. Our investments in customer success over the last year are also paying dividends as the pace of engagement with existing customers remains at an all-time high. A number of customer examples from the first quarter demonstrate the power of our strategy. In a highly competitive deal, a wholesale distributor expanded with workforce identity as part of its strategy to modernize access, secure its employees, and deliver operational efficiency. This customer recognizes that the explosion of SaaS applications is extending privilege access to all employees, making security equally as important as a seamless user experience. I love this win for two main reasons. First, the customer embraces our identity security strategy. And second, it demonstrates the increased sales velocity from our SaaS portfolio. This whole that sailor realized fast time to value, ease of use, and unparalleled scalability after buying Privilege Cloud in just the fourth quarter of 2020, paving the road for workforce identity expansion just a quarter later. It was a great win. The SolarWinds Orion attack was a catalyst for an existing telco customer to significantly expand its PAM deployment and reduce its attack surface with Secrets Manager, a key win against a competitive DevOps platform. A large grocery store chain is following our blueprint methodology as part of its identity and access management modernization. We are protecting this customer's robotic process automation, or RPA strategy, with Secrets Manager, while also significantly expanding its PAM protection with the rollout of Privilege Cloud. Our new business progression and close rates continue to improve in the first quarter. We landed over 170 new customers, and about 70% of these wins were subscription deals up significantly from about 57% just last quarter. We won logos across all industries, including retail, global government, and financial services. As examples, a US-based retailer is replacing an incumbent PAM vendor that couldn't scale to meet the requirements of its hybrid environment. We're helping this customer secure across Google Cloud and Azure, as well as all servers and databases in its on-premise environment. A consulting organization was looking for an identity security partner committed to delivering innovation that would evolve in step with its long-term strategy to secure its AWS and Azure multi-cloud environment, the DevOps pipeline, and its machine identities. In the first step of its Cybark program, the company is rolling out Privileged Cloud and Secrets Manager to secure homegrown applications as well as other software like Tenable's vulnerability management solution. As we look ahead, The sales capacity we added in 2020 has ramped to productivity, and we are growing the team to keep pace with the accelerating demand environment. Our partner ecosystem of advisory firms, VARS, and C-Cube technology partners is further extending our reach and will help us drive scale in our go-to-market. Moving on to the subscription transition, feedback from customers, partners, and our own employees has been incredibly positive. The levers we introduced earlier this year are working, creating both push and pull in the market. Customers were already pulling us towards subscription in 2020, and the new packages we introduced in mid-January combined with the maturity of our SaaS offerings have accelerated that motion. The sales incentives, as well as the deal desk and deal scoring, are helping push CyberArk towards our goal of becoming a subscription company. This is reflected in our new pipeline generation, which is overwhelmingly geared towards recurring subscription bookings, heavily weighted towards SaaS. Geographically, the Americas had the strongest mix of recurring bookings, which impacted our recognized revenue, which Josh will discuss. We are pleased with the subscription traction in EMEA and the APJ, both trending ahead of our expectations. The subscription transition is reducing friction in the sales process and increasing our cross-sell activity, as you saw in some of the earlier customer examples. The team is already shifting towards delivering transformative value and building deeper, more enduring relationships, which will generate higher lifetime customer value. I couldn't be more pleased with where we are coming out of the first quarter in terms of the transition. Now moving on to our innovation pillar, where we continue to step on the gas around our innovation engine. In the first quarter, we made considerable progress evolving our portfolio into a unified, comprehensive identity security platform centered on privilege. We've integrated multi-factor authentication with our privileged portfolio to provide our customers with significantly enhanced security controls. Customers are embracing zero trust frameworks and while our just-in-time capabilities are solving enterprise use cases today, we are continuing to enhance our offering. Our investments in innovation that help customers secure their cloud environments are paying off. Cloud entitlements Manager is building momentum. Our tighter integration between our Conjure Secrets Manager solution and Privage cloud offering is strengthening our customer security posture as they move more and more applications to the cloud and adopt cloud native approaches to application development. Our CQ partnerships are extending our reach demonstrated by recently being named partner of the year by Red Hat. We will be rolling out exciting offerings as we move through 2021 and I can't wait to preview many of these at our upcoming customer and partner impact event in June. Finally, we are making strategic investments this year to drive growth, innovation, and scale. And Josh will discuss our profitability pillar in more detail. I wanted to emphasize that we have not changed our approach to investment and building a durable business model is part of our DNA, a guiding operating principle of Cybrock. We remain committed to delivering profitable growth and returning to the rule of 40 once we are through the transition period. As I look into the remainder of 2021, We have major industry tailwinds driving our business. In the wake of the recent cybersecurity attacks and the accelerating pace of hacker innovation, our solutions are a business imperative, and we are seeing a heightened sense of urgency across PAM, Access, and DevSecOps. Our go-to-market machine is executing well. We are extending our leadership position and delivering innovation at a record pace. We are well on our way towards transforming the business into a fast-growing subscription company and our cloud solutions are leading the way. With our strong execution in the first quarter, we are in a great position to unlock tremendous value for us, our shareholders, our customers, and our partners. I will now turn the call over to Josh,
4: who will discuss our results and outlook for the second quarter and full year. Josh, thanks Udi. Before we discuss the details of the quarter, we wanted to remind you that we posted slides to the website that will be helpful as we walk through our results. The appendix of the decks contains the historic breakdown of the revenue and cost of revenue lines and the new presentation of our p and that we discussed at our, inv- in, at our investor day in March. We are making this change to the PL to increase visibility into the success of our subscription transition and the direction of our business. So moving into our results. Our strong business momentum continued in the first quarter. We were pleased to beat our revenues, operating income, and EPS guidance, particularly given that we also exceeded the expectations for the percentage mix of subscription bookings. Total revenue was $113 million with a 51% subscription booking mix, up from $107 million and approximately 20% subscription booking mix in the first quarter of last year. Subscription revenue reached $25 million and represented 22% of total revenue in the first quarter, increasing 180% from $9 million in subscription revenue and 8% only of total revenue in the first quarter last year. As anticipated, given the shift in our sales motion towards a recurring subscription business model, perpetual license revenue did decline and was $27 million for the quarter. Our combined maintenance and professional services revenue was $61 million, with $51.6 million from recurring maintenance and $9.8 million in professional services revenue. During the subscription transition period, it is important to evaluate additional metrics that provide increased visibility into the momentum and health of the business. They include total recurring revenue, percentage mix of bookings from subscription, and annual recurring revenue. In the first quarter, total recurring revenue reached $76 million, or 68% of total revenue, growing 41% from $54 million and increasing from the 51% of total revenue in the first quarter last year. Our recurring revenue growth is driven by strength of our subscription bookings from SaaS and on-prem subscriptions, as well as our continued strong maintenance renewal rates for our mission-critical software. The mix of subscription bookings as a percentage of new licensed bookings is an indicator of pace and the success of the transition. In the first quarter, the mix was about 51% of new licensed bookings. That's compared to the mix in our guidance, which assumed only 47%. This compares to about 20% in the first quarter last year. Please note, as we move through the transition, the subscription mix will level set all deals to an annual value, including the perpetual bookings. The headwind created by the mix of bookings was about $11 million in the first quarter. Taking the headwind into consideration, our first quarter total revenue would have grown by about 16% year-on-year. It is critical to keep in mind that the headwind is calculated based on the annualized bookings mixed year-on-year. At March 31, our ARR was $288 million, growing 41% year-on-year year from $205 million in the first quarter of last year. On an, on an organic basis, excluding the contribution from Adaptive, our annual recurring revenue still grew faster than 30% in the first quarter of 2021. Another important metric that we watch closely is the growth of just the subscription portion of ARR, which includes our SaaS and on-prem subscription contracts. We were pleased that our subscription portion grew faster than 250% year-on-year to about $88 million, representing over 30% of total ARR at March 31. That's up from $25 million, or 12%, at March 31 last year. This clearly highlights our tremendous success in growing our recurring subscription business. Our ARR growth this quarter was driven by both existing as well as new logos. Geographically, the business continues to be well diversified. The Americas generated $61.3 million in revenue, representing 54% of total revenue. And for the year-over-year comparison, the Americans again had the strongest percentage of SaaS bookings during the quarter which lowered our recognized revenue in the period by about $8 million. EMEA grew by 40% year-on-year to $38.3 million. APJ generated $13.1 million in revenue. That's increasing 39% compared to the first quarter of 2020. All line items of the P&L will be discussed on a non-GAAP basis. Please see the full GAAP to non-GAAP reconciliation in the tables of our press release. Our first quarter gross profit was $95.5 million or an 85% gross margin. That's compared to 87% in the first quarter last year. Our gross margin is being impacted by two factors. First, the headwind from our subscription bookings mix, and second, the increased cloud expenses related to delivering our SaaS services. Moving down the P&L, we continue to make disciplined investments in the in the business. R&D grew by 39% year-on-year to $25.4 million as we invest to deliver innovation. Adaptive expenses contributed about $2.1 million to the year-on-year increase in expenses. Sales and marketing increased 20% to $53.8 million as we expand our go-to-market engine across all geographies. G&A increased 37% year-on-year to $10.9 million to scale the business. In total, operating expenses for the first quarter increased 27 percent to $90.1 million. Our operating income was $5.4 million in the quarter. Operating income was lowered by about $1.2 million net from foreign exchange rates. As a reminder, the approximate $11 million revenue headwind had a corresponding impact on our operating income. Taking the headwind into account, our operating margin would have been approximately 13 percent in the first quarter of 2021. Over 70% of our operating expenses are related to headcount. We executed well against our aggressive hiring plan to invest in the business ending the first quarter with 1,808 employees worldwide. Of our total employee count, 832 employees are in sales and marketing. Net income was $3.8 million or nine cents per diluted share for the first quarter. In the first quarter free cash flow was $31.3 million, or a 28% free cash flow margin, driven by strong collections from our fourth quarter bookings. This cash flow contributed to our strong balance sheet and we ended the quarter with $1.2 billion in cash and investments. We also increased deferred revenue by 23% year-on-year to $260 million. Our SAS deferred revenue grew by over 300% to $48 million, compared to $11 million at March 31 last year. Turning to our guidance, for the second quarter of 2021, we expect total revenue of 111 to $119 million. We expect a non-GAAP operating loss of about 3 to non-GAAP operating income of $3.5 million for the second quarter. We expect our EPS to range from non-GAAP net loss of $0.11 cents per basic and diluted shares to net income of $0.06 cents per diluted share. Our guidance also assumes 39.7 six million weighted average basic and diluted shares, and 40.7 million weighted average diluted shares. We are assuming $2.5 million in taxes for the second quarter. This guidance assumes about 55% of subscription bookings and a revenue and profitability headwind of approximately $9 million for the second quarter of 2021. Our guidance for the full year of 2021 reflects the strength of our pipeline our overall opportunity and an assumption for the mix of our bookings we expect total revenue in the range of 484 to 496 million dollars while we are maintaining our revenue range because of our stronger than anticipated total bookings and our higher subscription bookings mix in the first quarter as well as our robust subscription pipeline growth we are increasing our subscription mix assumption to about. 57%, 57%, and our revenue headwind increasing to approximately $45 million. This compares to our prior guidance, which assumed a mix of 55% and a $39 million headwind to revenue. Our upward adjustments to the mix percentage and headwind represent an increase in our bookings outlook for the full year, illustrating the strong first quarter performance, as well as our confidence in the robust demand environment and execution of our strategy. We expect non-GAAP operating income to be between $20 to $30 million. We expect our non-GAAP net income per diluted share to be in the range of 39 to $0.64. Cents. For the full year, we expect about $40.9 million weighted average diluted shares and about $10 million in taxes. As Udi mentioned, and we discussed at Investor Day, we are not changing our investment philosophy and are planning for profitability levels to snap back quickly after we exit the transition, which we continue to expect to be in between 8 to 10 quarters, so exiting in the fourth quarter of 2022 or by mid-2023. In terms of free cash flow, we were thrilled with the outperformance in the first quarter, which reflected the strength of our perpetual bookings in the fourth quarter and our strong cash collections for maintenance. For the full year 2021, considering the seasonality in our business, we continue to anticipate that our cash flow margin will be in line with our non-GAAP net income margin. Our performance in the first quarter strengthens our conviction that we are making the right level of investment to drive growth and innovation in 2021 and beyond. I will now turn the call over to the operator for Q&A. Operator?
0: Thank you. At this time, we will be conducting our question and answer session. To allow for as many questions as possible, we ask that you please limit your questions to one question with one related follow-up. In order to ask a question, please press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your first question comes from the line of Sackett Calio with Barclays. Sakit, your line is open.
5: Okay, great. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my questions here. Um, hey, Sakit, good morning. Udi, hey, Udi. Hey, good morning. Um, maybe, maybe for you first, Udi, sure. can, can you just talk about your thoughts on, on new entrants into this market? Uh, and maybe just specifically to call out Okta. And and what your thoughts are on on maybe uh, you know the puts and takes for for a broader identity platform like Okta um, you know a- entering the Pam market any any thoughts on that?
3: Sure, sure. Look, we are uh, the pioneer and the leader in a very hot space that's growing in importance. I think recent breaches really highlight the, the importance. So we've we've expected more uh, competition and entry. We've always been like a, I like to call it productively paranoid about our leadership position and, uh, and hence invested in continued breakaway uh, innovation to further accelerate our leadership. Uh, I think specifically the, the journey we took to identity security gives us a major advantage. We think that coming from PAM, where uh where we put security first um and with and following the proliferation of privilege across both human uh and non-human uh, uh infrastructures giving us a, a major advantage as we expand into identity security and looking at it as a security problem um i talk to uh enterprise customers uh all the time and um and they won't compromise on security when it comes to the keys to the IT kingdom and the keys to the uh, uh to the cloud uh, kingdom and so uh, we're going to continue to break away and lead with uh, uh, the broad expansion into identity security, but with PAM as, a, as a, a major advantage and at the center of it. Got it. That, that makes sense. Um, Josh, maybe for
5: my follow-up for you, uh, thanks for some of the detail on the ARR components uh, in the quarter. I, I was wondering if we could just zoom into the maintenance piece just a little bit. I, I believe maintenance is the bigger piece of that ARR pie, if you will. How did how did that component of ARR maybe compare versus your expectations? And, and anything to keep in mind um, for sort of modeling those two pieces through the rest of the year?
4: Yeah. Hi. Thanks for the question. Um, you know, I think maintenance came in about where about where we uh, anticipated, uh, uh, with regard to it came in about 70% of the total AAR. Uh, I think on the flip side, uh, we saw AAR come in a bit better um, than we anticipated, uh, with that 41% growth, really coming from the from the uh, from the SaaS and the subscription co- uh, component, which was now 30% of that AAR, and that's compared to 12% uh, if we look back uh, in the first quarter of last year. Uh, so you know we're we're pleased with that, and so I think on maintenance, you know we're getting the right renewal rate uh, that we expected to get. But really, the bonus is coming from doing better on the SaaS side. Very helpful. Thanks, guys.
5: Nice
0: Our next question comes from the line of Sterling Audio with J.P. Morgan. Sterling, your line is open.
5: Yeah, thanks. Hi, guys. So I'm just curious what kind of pushback you may have gotten. So the mix in subscription was better than you expected which I, I don't think comes as a surprise to, to many of us that have watched a lot of the transitions, but where you got pushed back, uh, where did it happen and why did it happen in terms of customers
3: not wanting to, to choose subscription or SaaS? So, uh, hey, starting, first of all, we're, we're excited with the strong start to the subscription transition. I think uh, uh, it, uh, it beat uh, our uh, our, uh, our expectations. And so, uh uh, as a first quarter uh, that is chewing on some old pipeline, you can say we, we have some old pipeline that we expect it to, to continue to uh, to sell as uh, as perpetual. But very pleased with how the mix uh, uh, has, has outperformed, and very pleased with how it's uh, looking in the uh, in the current uh, uh, full year, uh, you know Q2 and full year uh, pipeline. Um, so I would say no pushback, uh, but actually better than, uh, better than expected uh, uh, transition and, and really the way we wanted to start this year.
5: All right, great. And then Josh, maybe one follow-up for you. I want to make sure I understand the full-year EPS guide. Has anything really changed in your expense outlook, or it's just the mix going more subscription that would um, potentially weigh a little bit more on EPS?
4: Yeah, hi Sterling. It's really actually even below the operating income line. Uh, it's really around the taxes um, as we kind of finished Q1 and we saw what happened in Q1 and we were forecasting taxes uh, for the rest of the year. We, you know, when you're hovering, uh, when you're hovering at the at the lower uh, operating mark, at the net income levels, uh, then uh, we actually end up with a higher tax rate uh, around globally. Um so we just adjusted uh adjusted for the tax uh, for our projected tax revision provision. All right, perfect. Thank you. Thanks, Jordan.
0: Our next question comes from the line of Fatima Diwani with UBS. Fatima, your line is open.
2: Good morning. Thank you for taking my questions. Um,
0: Josh, I wanted to
2: start with you on the Americas performance. So appreciate you quantifying that headwind for us as it relates to the model transition that seems like it's more concentrated in the Americas. Uh, But even if we uh, adjust for that headwind, we're still looking at a sort of flattish performance in the Americas. Uh, relative to much better uh, performance in your other uh, geographic theaters. So wondering if you can talk to any other marketplace dynamics or uh, go-to-market motion uh, dynamics that would explain uh, that flattish year-on-year growth
3: adjusted for the headwind. Yeah, Fatima Udi here. I'll, I'll start. Uh, so, so actually, when we looked at it, uh, and, you, and you touched it, we actually exciting, excited to see that it's the faster mover in the uh, in the transition with the, the heaviest weight on uh, on, on SaaS. Uh, I would say some uh, some uh, some specific uh, elements of this uh, quarter. I mean, Americas is coming off a record uh, uh, 32% growth uh, Q4, and it was the fastest of uh, of, of the region. And so we're, you know, we're, we're pleased with where we are in the Americas, especially when we see the great pipe, the great start of Q2, and uh, are optimistic for, uh, uh,
4: for the rest of the, rest of the year. Yeah, and, and I guess I would talk? add there, I would just add on a specific in terms of markets, uh, you know, last year in, in, in the first quarter we had a very strong federal spend that was out of cycle, um, and, uh, you know, that, that didn't repeat uh, in, in, in this quarter. Very helpful. uh, Josh,
2: since I I have you, uh, any high-level modeling points or expectations you could point us to as it relates to the subscription revenue and subscription ARR mix between SaaS and on-prem, and to the extent the uh, performance this quarter is changing your mix expectations specifically for that um, category. And that's it for me. Thank you.
4: Yeah, thanks. Um, You know, we're still seeing uh, a really SaaS-heavy on the AAR. So, uh, you know, we're still using kind of a a two-to-one ratio of uh, uh, SaaS versus uh, on-prem subscription. And, uh, you know, at this point, I I would continue looking at it that way.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Rob Owens with Piper Sandler. Rob, your line is open.
5: Great, and thanks for taking my question. Uh, As we look towards Q2 and ARR, uh, noting that you bought Adaptive a year ago, any puts and takes around how we should think about growth? And I know you said uh, you were over 30 percent from an organic perspective this quarter. Are you you sticking to that kind of guardrail? And then number two, um, I'll ask them both up front,
3: uh, given it's been a year since the acquisition, maybe an update on how Adaptive is doing. Thanks. Uh, sure i'll i'll start i'll start with the with the with the latter question on uh on adaptive i think we we've invested uh uh the 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 last uh, several quarters on on really integrating it uh uh to to create one plus one equals eleven with uh with with being part of uh uh, connected into Pam and part of the identity security uh, uh, portfolio, um, and um, we've also invested in, in putting uh, uh, overlay uh, uh, sales uh, sales effort uh, there. So we we, we are uh, it, it's still it's still early uh, innings for for Adaptive uh, standalone, but we're seeing it uh, 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 and, and some of the examples I've given uh, really play well in in the cross-sell uh, upsell motion with existing uh, customers and also as a new uh, landing front for us as uh, as a tip of the spear as, as Matt called it in uh, in the uh, in the investor day and and so it's uh, it's an it's an early young speedboat within uh, within CyberArk, uh but uh but is is
4: is really uh uh taking off uh well and, and, Rob, uh, you know, on the AAR growth question, you know, we're still very much uh, looking at 30% uh, growth for the year uh, on AAR. And, uh, you know, we, we started off nicely on the first quarter with 41%, 30-plus uh, percent uh, organically, and, and, and we see that uh, continuing for the year. All right. Thanks.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Hamza Farawala with Morgan Stanley. Hamza, your line is open.
5: Hey guys, uh, thank you for taking my question and good morning. Um, I just had a question on sort of the, the, the Salesforce uh, productivity ramp. Um, I know that you you know had just started to really introduce incentives around selling fast, uh, uh, you know, with the Salesforce in Q1 and had some new product announcements. I'm wondering, you know, how do you see that ramp sort of progressing, uh, particularly in the back half, and you know, how should we think about sort of ARR growth? uh, in relation to that.
4: Um, you know, hi Hamza. Um, yeah, you're right. We, uh, we really, uh, uh, continue to, uh, ramp our, uh, our capacity on, on, on the sales front, uh, into the first quarter. Um, and, uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, still six to nine month sales cycles and we're, we're, uh, excited about the, you know, the kind of the record continued record growth that we have in pipeline. And we'll be continuing to, uh, to uh, expand our sales, uh, our sales teams uh, globally, um, and you know, uh, going uh, you know going into you know each of the quarters, uh, you know through the second half of the year, um, they do take uh, two to three uh, quarters to ramp. Um, so we always anticipate uh, future growth uh, by bringing them on board earlier. And I would say that uh, when we look at the, the big hirings that we did in H2 of last year. Uh, in Q3, uh, Q4, and certainly, uh, um, and certainly the ones from the first half of last year, we already are seeing them uh, really fully productive at this point. And uh, we actually saw a, a nice uh, increase in productivity uh, into this first quarter from our sales teams, and I think it has to do with the ramp-up uh, that, we, that, we that we did last year. Uh, on the sales teams and and I
3: would add that uh, and like I mentioned in my notes they're really on board with the SaaS subscription I mean all of, almost all of the reps have uh, uh, subscription deals in their in their pipe uh, some have only subscription deals in their in their pipe and uh, and and that's that that's why I noted that we're very pleased with how we kicked it off from uh, from the beginning of the year uh, and just maybe a brief follow-up for, for for Josh um,
5: I was wondering if you could maybe give um, more concrete sort of uh, inorganic contribution um, from Adaptive. Um, I think last quarter the organic growth was somewhere in the high thirty percent range. Was that was that fairly consistent
4: uh, this quarter as well? Um, the organic, uh, the inorganic impact on revenue from Adaptive. Uh, on ARR. Question? On
5: ARR. Oh,
4: on A, on AAR. Um, I th- I think um, the the impact for was, uh, again, I said it was about 41% growth and it was about 30, just over 30% growth uh, if it, from an organic perspective. Thank
0: you. Your next question comes from the line of Greg Moskowitz with Mizuho. Greg, your line is open.
5: Okay. Thank you very much uh, for taking the questions. Uh, Maybe to start with Udi, how was, I know you called that one uh, interesting customer example, but more broadly, how was adoption of privileged cloud this quarter among both uh, mid-market and enterprises, and, and how do you see this evolving over the course of 2021?
3: uh thanks uh, yeah absolutely uh, uh, a super strong quarter for uh, uh for Perpish cloud i w- i would say that uh, we're beginning to see the lines blur in, in into how big and how uh, large uh, enterprises can be in uh in, in adopting it and uh and and even uh, even some very uh, even financial uh, verticals and and, uh, and and very large uh, uh accounts and so it's uh it's, it's it's becoming uh the 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 larger force within uh within new pam uh within new pam deals is uh is landing in uh, in privilege club
5: all right that's great to hear and then josh uh can you tell us roughly what aam was as a percentage of either revenue or license bookings and just kind of how that compares to your expectations
4: um, it absolutely uh, hit against our expectations, and actually now when we look at revenue, you know, with our much larger percentage uh, coming from SaaS and subscription and so forth, it it becomes a little bit uh, less uh, relevant when looking at the product mix on a revenue because there's now a change for whether it's happening perpetually or or or, or, or subscription basis. But I will say that from a bookings perspective. Uh, uh AAM absolutely uh, had a nice, uh, had a nice uh, growth rate uh, year on year and, and absolutely contributed uh, at the levels, uh, even uh, at the levels that we anticipated, even a bit higher. Okay, great. Thank you.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Brian Essex with Goldman Sachs. Brian, your line is open.
5: Great, thank you, and, and good morning. Thank you for taking the question. Um, you know, Udi, I had a couple for you. Um, you know, you mentioned your prepared remarks of flight to trust, and maybe if you could just update us in terms of how customer
0: buying patterns may have evolved as you enter this year. I think last quarter you noted you know a number of um, you know customers that came on at abbreviated attach rates or maybe didn't do end-to-end solutions, kind of trued up their deals, but. What, what, is, what is the tenor of buying pattern in, in 2021, what you're seeing in the pipeline? Are you getting more end-to-end and higher attack rates now, and, and is that more prevalent uh, on the SaaS
3: platform? Yeah, it's definitely um uh more prevalent on the on the SaaS platform where we see the the progression um um in in the cross-sell move uh, move faster. I, I think that the commentary last year or earlier in the year we talked about the customer kind of uh, uh looking to do uh the basics as they transition to uh to work from home um and now we're seeing them much be much more back to their strategic uh, programs. We already saw that in in uh, in Q4 and it continued in uh in Q1 and, uh, and, and commentary and, and and things we're seeing in deal cycles, uh, both uh, related to solar winds and also related to, to being back on on track, is that they're they're looking to do uh, uh, deeper uh, deeper programs. Whether like in like in the commentary, really following our blueprint with, with, when it comes to uh, uh, to add on and, and looking at uh, at multiple uh, products and uh, and solutions, but also in uh, in, in new customers, uh, we're seeing them be more more strategic. Uh, about uh, about going deep in PAM and, and, and other areas in, in identity security. I would say that the the the, uh, the average deal size um, is up and um, and uh, and SAS deal sizes are similar to to uh, to perpetual uh, historic perpetual deal size, which is which is great.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Andrew Norinsky with DA Davidson. Andrew, your line is open.
4: Great. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. So uh just want to start off with a high-level question. Uh, you touched on the SolarWinds and Microsoft Exchange attacks. I'm just wondering if you could maybe put a finer point on, on how they may have impacted, if at all, the Q1 results and, then, and how they uh, may have had an impact on your pipeline going forward.
3: Uh, I, I think the 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 really important news is that they create a long tail for uh, for CyberArk. It's it's one of those events that uh, that has uh, multiple years of uh, of return. Where if anybody needed a reminder that uh, that that privilege, no matter how you dissect uh, an attack, and no matter how they 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 first entered. Uh, a network or a cloud environment. What are they looking for? Lateral movement, escalation, and it's all about credentials and and, and movement. So we we see it creating the the long tail of uh, of awareness, um, and and the, the the field is is feeling that. Um, both in PAM and also as we've expanded PAM into identity security because there are other examples there in those attacks of of attacking other elements of of identity. Um, And then uh, specifically there were some examples in in, in Q1, and and I I gave the the example of of the the telco uh, where it helped uh, reinforce uh, 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 or or accelerate a deal or at least uh, expand the deal size into a more strategic uh, buy. But uh, I think the important thing is, is, is the long tail uh, we get. Got it. Thank you. And then uh, when I look at your new customers you added, it looks like over 170 this quarter. I was wondering if you could just break out how many came by way of uh,
4: adaptive purchases and, and how, how your new logo ads performed, uh, you, you know, excluding the adaptive customers you added uh, relative to your expectations. Um I'll jump in and you know when we look at actually I think on the new customers the you know the the overwhelming majority were were from our you know from our core pass uh, and actually a large percentage of them were coming in uh, off of off of our subscription and our saAS business as well I think thirty uh, percent of uh, if we look even back over the the whole last year uh thirty percent of the incremental ARr that we've added uh, has has come from new customers, and and uh, you know probably still 90 plus percent are coming from uh, are coming uh, from uh, organically. Uh, it's important to add that many of the the
3: new packages we introduced. Uh, in, in the in the year, actually include adaptive um, uh, components uh, in them, like my multi-factor authentication and 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 single and single sign-on. So it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's attached to to many of the uh, of the new uh, new logos. Great, thank you.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Tal Leoni with Bank of America. Tal, your line is open.
4: Hey guys, um, I have a question about uh, next quarter guidance. Um, it seems like the uh, revenues are uh, under uh, just slightly under street expectations, in EPS uh, as well. Would you mind to give us the context uh, of the accounting impact on the migration to uh, SaaS? Um, maybe give us the context of ARR for next quarter, just to to make a comparison of like the like. Thanks. Uh hi Tal. Uh th- th- thanks for the question. I, you know, I think from uh you know really uh if you're talking about the accounting, uh you know, we talked about the, you know the headwind uh as it relates uh you know to our SaaS and subscription rate. For the for the subscription uh you know for the subscription side of the business on prem, uh term based licenses, uh we're looking at uh, it's going out between uh, 50% uh, upfront, and uh, for the new packages, it's it's closer to 70%, uh, uh, 30% upfront and 70% uh, pro rata over time. So, and on SAS, obviously, it's, it's it's fully ratable. So that goes in obviously into the headwind calculation uh, for the guidance, and, and we're pleased with the guidance. Uh, you know, to, to be able to one uh, increase our uh, our our, our anticipated uh, subscription bookings mix and still uh, really come in uh, at what we anticipated on a, on a revenue perspective uh, for, for Q2. So from that perspective where it really supports, and we think about it also from an annual basis, it really supports the fact that our pipeline is growing uh, is growing nicely. It's actually, uh, when you think about our subscription mix and the increased headwind, uh, for for the quarter and for the full year, we're actually uh, really raising uh, our expectations for the business, uh, you know, uh, for the next for the next nine months. So so we're excited about about what we're able to guide to. And and Josh, is there a number? Uh, is there a number like this quarter? You gave the number of of what's the impact of accounting? Is there a number for next quarter? Um, for the headwind? Yes. Yeah, the headwind is uh, ten. Nine million dollars for uh, Q2. Got it. Thanks.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Jonathan Reichover with Baird. Jonathan, your line is open.
5: Yeah. Good morning. Hey guys. Um, so last year you you talked pretty consistently about strong pipeline growth, but you you noted the challenges to deal sizes and and also conversion rates, particularly within certain verticals. So I'm just you know curious if you could comment on those dynamics entering. 2021 where do you continue to potentially see challenges in the business
3: yeah uh hey jonathan i i, I would say i would say uh we're we're, we're seeing um a, a return to, to to normalcy um on on that front and and the ability to for us to uh the, the pipe was building great and i think this this quarter we also showed uh, strong execution on that um uh, on, on that uh, on that pipe uh, and that um and and i would say that from uh from close rate perspective, uh, we could probably talk about uh, record uh, uh, record close rates in, in this uh, in in this uh, in this quarter, and um, and so uh, more and more signs of, of return to uh, return to normal, and then of course the 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 more opportunity for acceleration because we have uh, a, a growing uh, SaaS portfolio and a growing number of customers that uh, that we can take them through through the SaaS uh, journey in in uh, in cross sales.
5: That's good to good to hear. Uh, the the follow-up I have is is on DevSecOps, and I'm wondering, um, Udi, you, how you see the growing influence of of that center um, as a buyer of security impacting privilege? Is it really starting to highlight the need for you know for what you do
4: more than what you've seen in the past?
3: Yeah, I think this is probably one of the most strategic things we've uh, well, moves we, we made when we, when we. Uh, uh, both organically and inorganically expanded and created the DevSecOps speedboat. There's no there's no enterprise customer that doesn't have that uh, that 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 movement happening. Uh, we're we're uh, we're on top of, of securing their their human uh, and putting human controls. They're they're seeing uh, uh, the the expansion of privilege in uh, in in their application uh, environment and uh, and the need to secure uh, secrets. So it's a it's it's a it's a very strategic element. It was in 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 uh, in, uh, in many. Of our, of our largest deals included uh, our, our DevSecOps uh, uh, solutions, and um, and uh, I would say it it creates a great bridge for for our customers to to have uh, an inroad to the developer side and the DevOps side, and so our, our CISOs uh, CISO customers are very pleased that they can build, they can bring this value uh, to, to the uh, to the developer audience, and, and and again keep them secure while making it very transparent for them to to manage secrets. That's great to hear. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Josh Tilton. Please state your company name, Josh. Your line is open.
5: Yeah, this is Josh Tilton from Bainbridge Capital Markets. Uh, just two quick ones from me. I was hoping that you could comment on the pricing environment in access management over the last year. Uh, if I remember correctly, I believe Adaptive was using pricing as a differentiator. Have you been able to improve pricing at all since the acquisition?
3: I think uh, th- th- thanks, Josh. I think we we're, we're taking a different um, a, a different approach, and of course, as a standalone, that that was a differentiator for uh, uh, for Adaptive. The the differentiator now is very much the the fact that uh, if if we land uh, an access uh, customer, we can take them on the full identity security journey and into uh, and, and into uh, and into PAM. And so, in some cases, the the pricing changed also because we've included it in um, in new um, in new uh, packages. And, um, and, and, and in general, we're, uh, we're going to differentiate on, on value. And, and just to follow up on that,
5: you mentioned, um, I believe, that you completed the integration of MFA with the Privilege Portfolio. Do you guys have any indication of what percentage of customers are using PAM today without
3: MFA? And also, what are you guys seeing as the uplift ASP if a PAM customer looks to implement MFA for that PAM product suite? Thanks. I don't think I have uh, that that that, that, uh, that fully that fully handy uh, here, but it's a it's a big part of uh, yes. There are there are customers that uh, uh, or, or many customers where, where uh, uh, the the MFA projects were were, were taking too uh, too long, and when we come in with the the opportunity to put MFA in front of uh, Pam, it's a great uh, landing spot. Uh, for, for them to to to, uh, to, se- to secure probably the most important access they have in the organization, and then an opportunity for us to expand to all uh, to all users. So it's in a big it's it's a it's it's a it's, it's a big opportunity within the 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 customer uh, the customer base. Thank you.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Jonathan Ho with William Blair. Jonathan, your line is open.
5: Hi, good morning. Uh, I just wanted to maybe start out with uh, some of your commentary on the uh, non-human opportunity. Can you talk a, a little bit about how big that market could be, and you know, maybe uh, you know, I
3: guess relative to the more traditional use cases, you know, how, how big of an opportunity you see there? Yeah, thanks, Jonathan, I think in the in the past we talked about the non-human opportunity being as big as the as the as the human uh, as the human side and uh i think every every day that goes by is is another shift left day for uh for for the world and and uh, and technology um you know you know applications are are growing exponentially uh, no matter what what industry it is so cross industry we see them becoming more and more uh, uh software uh companies and and we have that that, that great bridge of uh, the securing one of the most uh, important elements in the in in uh, in Dev uh, SecOps, uh, but but uh, but win-win, uh, transparent to the developer um, and, uh, and and a good control point for, for the security uh, uh, professionals. So we we see, we see that um, uh, only becoming more and more critical, and and, and that's why we, uh, we 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 of course put it in in the speedboat uh, a whole speedboat behind it uh, because of this critical uh, opportunity. Got it. And then, you know, just relative to the shift to
5: subscription, are you mainly seeing this uh, as an opportunity to replace existing solutions, or is there a lot of greenfield opportunity uh, that's coming from this as well?
3: So, in terms of, uh, there are multiple elements in the subscription uh, transition, but if we talk about uh, new logos, uh, there are more and more types of organizations that are just happy to land in uh, in a SaaS delivery. And, and like I mentioned earlier we we were pleasantly surprised that it that it, it it's continuously moving up the up in terms of the type of uh, of enterprise so it gives us uh, for, from a new logo perspective it gives us a way to bring greater time to faster time to value for those uh, for those customers and then uh, bring them across the portfolio uh, faster in terms of uh, uh, conversions, of course, uh, there the are conversions of, of, of uh, even, even though it's a, sm- it's a small, it's a small piece. There are conversions of, uh, of customers to uh, to subscription, and and when we do that, uh, we, 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 we we again want to bring them value and to get them into a, a bigger piece of the portfolio, and um, and so that's where the packages uh, kick in, where they're they're actually getting more um, more value, they and getting better security because they get the the, the right products in in uh, in place. Thank you.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Alex Henderson with Needham & Company. Alex, your line is open.
3: Hi, team. You have Mike Sikos on the line here for Alex Henderson. Uh, I did want to follow up on this record pipeline that you guys have to see if you could give this maybe an order of magnitude um, or at least provide some additional color. I guess with this model transition underway and the bigger push on subscription and and higher adoption rates of uh, are you seeing, I guess, increased velocity in the sales cycles uh, and and customers moving quickly or quicker from the top of the funnel down to the uh, the final deal? Yeah. Uh, thanks. I, I I would say we still we still uh, talk about a six to nine month uh, 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 sales cycle, but uh, beginning to see the the, the advantages and value and uh, like you, like you're talking about of of, of, of customers of, of higher velocity. Um, when, when it comes to, uh, to, SaaS, uh, to SaaS customers and the, their ability to, to get uh, a faster time to value, and then, and then faster adoption, and our ability to, uh, to, to push cross sell uh, uh, faster, we're not, we're not changing our kind of our, our, our six to nine month uh, 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 general uh, approach. But, but uh, you know, we, we are very optimistic that this is one of the upsides
4: of this, uh, this, uh, this uh, uh, transition. And, and, and I would and I would add that um, you know we're seeing much better close rates uh, going into the first quarter and uh, of this year. Um, so that we uh, mentioned it before, and I would I'll mention it again. And when we think about the record pipeline, I would also say what we like about it is that it's first of all going across all aspects of the pipeline, new customers, existing customers, across each of the geographies and across each of the product. Uh, lines that we're talking about, whether it's uh, privilege access or or DevSecOps. And of course, one of the other things that we're tracking very closely is, is it supporting our transition goals? And uh, we're really pleased to see the pipeline uh, supporting uh, uh, the transition goals, meaning that we're seeing uh, record increases in our SAS uh, pipelines as well as uh, our subscription packages, including and especially our, our new subscription packages.
0: Your final question comes from line of Eric Sepiger with j m p Securities. Eric, your line is open.
4: Yeah, thanks for squeezing me in. Um, first off, uh, your contribution from uh, subscription bookings uh, I think it was twenty percent in the year ago quarter. It expanded to fifty one percent. It seems like that uh, that's moving very quickly. What will it take for you to um, accelerate your timeline for uh, for reaching that uh, seventy to eighty percent? I think you had suggested it would be eight to t- ten quarters out. So um, what do you think the likelihood of that happening uh, before the end of fiscal twenty two? And then secondly, um I think you had indicated that your uh, your headwind uh, projected for q two is about nine million. I think it was eleven million in the uh, in the March quarter here. Why will it be coming down in the um, in the June quarter from the from the uh, March quarter? Yeah, thanks, Eric, for those questions. Uh, you know, I'll start with the with the second one. Um, you know, basically, as as we moved last year, if you think about it on a year-on-year basis, we already started to uh, you know we started to see some increases last year between Q1 and Q2 on the percent subscription. So, uh, you know, that's impacting the math you know, we look at, when we look at the headwind, we look at it uh, year on year. So we're not doing it from a cumulative perspective. We're looking at it as, okay, we're taking this year's uh, Q2 versus the versus the uh, scenario from Q2 a year ago, and already uh, Q2 a year ago, we started to have more subscription business on a on a on a natural basis. So that's why uh, you, you know we're, we we see a slight decline in the headwind, but it you know we you know we're we're still supporting uh, the strong revenue growth. With regard to uh, your first question on moving in the uh, moving in the goalposts. You know, we're real pleased uh, where we started uh, the first quarter because it really set us up well for being able to establish firmly uh, that that the transition is happening, uh, that it's certainly happening definitely within our original uh, goalposts of, of 8 to 10 quarters. Uh, we're able to move up uh, a, a couple percentage points in Q1, uh, we also were able to move up a couple of percentage points already for Q2 and for the year. I think uh, you know Q1 is still one quarter uh, of work, um, but uh, you know we'll we'll see how uh, how Q2 goes and and we'll be able to I think based off of the first half of the year really uh, reevaluate again uh, you know the the full uh, transition period. But uh, you know I think in order to bring it in. Uh, we'll want to see, you know, uh, we'll want to see how more than just one quarter uh, behaves on the transition. But so far, uh, we like what we see.
0: This concludes our question and answer session. I will now turn the call back over to Udi Mukati for closing remarks.
3: Great. Thank you very much. I want to thank everyone uh, who joined us today. I want to thank our customers, partners, and employees for contributing to our strong first quarter and supporting our transition to a subscription company. I am confident that as we execute our strategy, we will build even deeper relationship with our customers and partners. Again, thanks, everybody, for joining today.
0: This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.